Section 1 of Our Lady of the Pillar. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Our Lady of the Pillar by Essa de Queiroz. Translated by Edgar Prestige. Section 1. To the Reader. Being in Lisbon in October last, I sauntered one evening into the Livraria Bertrand, a recognized meeting-place of men of letters in the Chiado, still the principal street of the capital, and now known officially as the Rua Garret, though, in practice, the greater poet has not displaced the lesser. There I found Sr. Francisco Ramos Paes, proprietor of the Gazeta de Notícias of Rio de Janeiro, and our conversation turned on essa de Queiroz. I happened to say that I had recently published an English version of the Suave Milagre, and had one of the Defunto ready for the press, whereupon Senhor Ramos Paes told me that the original manuscript of the latter story belonged to him, it having been written for his paper, and that Queiroz had expressed the opinion to his publishers, Messrs. Lugan e Geneliot of Oporto, that it was his best short story. Finding my own opinion unexpectedly confirmed by so keen a self-critic as the founder of the realist school in Portugal, I have the less hesitation in submitting the defunto, which I have ventured to rename Our Lady of the Pillar, to your appreciation. In the preface to The Sweet Miracle, I refer to some of the leading works of Queiroz, and would only add that those who desire to know more of him and of the romance in Portugal might read with advantage the Revista Moderna for November 20th, 1897, and the suggestive series of essays by Sr. J. Pereira de Sampaio, Bruno, entitled A Geração Nova, Porto, 1886. The frontispiece of the present volume shows the monument in the Largo do Quintela, in Lisbon, raised to Queiroz by the devotion of the Conde de Arnoso and other admiring friends. The bust is generally agreed to be an excellent likeness, though the face perhaps wears a severer expression in marble than it did in life, and it has not, therefore, the photographic accuracy of the bust by Rafael Bordalo Pinheiro, a replica of which faces me as I write. The woman symbolizes reality, and her attitude shows her revealing the secrets of life to S's scrutinizing gaze, while the inscription at the base sums up his ideal and achievement, and reads, Over the forceful nakedness of truth, the diaphanous mantle of fantasy. The monument is the work of Sr. Antonio Teixeira Lopes, the creator of those two masterpieces, the bronze figure of history erected in memory of the historian Oliveira Martins in the Prazeres Cemetery in Lisbon, and the statue in wood of St. Isabel in the church of Santa Clara at Coimbra. He learned his business at the Academia Portuense de Belas Artes, under the well-known sculptor Soares dos Reis, and at eighteen went to the École des Beaux-Arts in Paris, where he worked under Cavelier and Barriat, though the man who taught him most was Donatello. He exhibited at the Salon in his first year in France, and since then has advanced from one artistic triumph to another. His group, Aviúva, gained him a gold medal at the International Exhibition in Berlin in 1896. His statue, Ador, obtained a Grand Prix at the International Exhibition in Paris in 1900, and now, 
at the age of forty he is hailed as an original genius and as portugal's greatest sculptor charlton bowden march nineteen o six erasmus was wont to affirm that in his studies he had not found anything more arduous than translation nor a thing worthy of greater praise if well done nor of greater blame if ill done damion de goes the friend of erasmus in the dedication of his version of cicero's de senectute our lady of the pillar one in fourteen seventy four a year abounding in divine favours for all christendom when king henry the fourth reigned in castile there came to live in the city of segovia where he had inherited a dwelling-house and garden a youthful knight of untainted lineage and comely appearance named don rui de cardenas this house which had been bequeathed to him by his uncle an archdeacon and master of canon law lay at the side and in the silent shadow of the church of our lady of the pillar and facing it across the square where the three spouts of an ancient fountain sang their song stood the dark and grated palace of don alonso de lara a nobleman of great wealth and surly manners who in a ripe and grey old age had espoused a young lady famed throughout castile for her white skin her hair the colour of the sun's rays and her neck like that of a royal heron now don Hui, at his birth had had our lady of the pillar for godmother and ever remained her devout and loyal servitor though as he was a man of high spirit and gay he loved arms the chase gallant regals and even now and then a noisy night in a tavern with cards and tankards of wine love and his convenient nearness to the holy place had led him to adopt the pious practice since his arrival in segovia of visiting his divine godmother each morning at the hour of prime and begging in three ave marias her blessing and graces again as darkness came on even after a hard run over field and mountain with harriers or falcon he was wont to return and murmur sweetly a salve regina at the vesper salutation while every sunday he bought of a moorish flower-woman in the square a spray of jonquils or pinks or simple roses and spread them with tenderness and gallant care in front of our lady's altar now to this venerated church of the pillar came also each sunday dona leonor the famous and beautiful wife of the lord of lara accompanied by a surly attendant with eyes harder and wider open than those of an owl and by two powerful lackeys who guarded her on either side like towers so jealous was don alonso that he only permitted this fugitive visit because his confessor had strictly enjoined it on him and for fear of offending our lady his neighbour and he greedily noted their every step and their loitering from between the iron bars of a latticed window dona leonor spent the whole of the lingering days of the lingering week secluded in the grated mansion of black granite and all she had for recreation and air even in the summer heats were the depths of a dark green garden surrounded by such lofty walls that nothing could be seen emerging from them save here and there the top of some melancholy cypress but this short visit of hers to our lady of the pillar sufficed for don Rui to fall madly in love with her on the may morning 
when he saw her kneeling before the altar in a radiance of sunlight haloed by her golden hair with her long lashes hanging over a book of hours her rosary falling from between her delicate fingers all elegant gentle and white with the whiteness of a lily blooming in the shade looking yet whiter amid her black lace and the black satin gown that broke round her graceful form in hard folds over the chapel flags the ancient flags of burying places when after a moment of confusion and delicious wonder he knelt it was less to the virgin of the pillar his divine godmother than to the mortal apparition her name and life he knew not but only that he would give his life and name for her if she would yield herself for so uncertain a price murmuring in a graceless prayer the three ave marias with which he saluted mary each morning he picked up his sombrero lightly descended the resounding nave and stopped in the porch waiting for her among the leprous beggars who were lousing themselves in the sun but when after a lapse of time during which don rui felt his heart beat with unaccustomed anxiety and fear dona leonor passed and paused to moisten her fingers in the marble holy water stoop either from timidity or inattention she did not raise her eyes to him under her drawn veil with her attendant of the staring eyes glued to her side and between the two lackeys as between twin towers she leisurely crossed the square stone by stone enjoying doubtless as prisoners do the expanse of air and the free sun that bathed it and don rui was astonished when she penetrated into the sombre arcade with its stout pillars which supported the palace and she disappeared through a narrow door all covered with ironwork this then was the famous dona leonor the lovely and noble lady of lara then commenced seven drawn-out days which he spent seated at his stone window-seat gazing at that black door with its thick covering of ironwork as if it were the door of paradise and an angel would issue from it to give him tidings of eternal bliss at last the lingering sunday came and as bearing a bunch of yellow carnations for his divine godmother he passed through the square at the hour of prime when the bells were ringing he crossed dona leonor coming out white sweet and pensive from between the pillars of the dark arcade like a moon from between clouds the carnations almost fell from his hand in the delightful agitation with which his breast heaved more strongly than a sea and his whole soul fled from him in tumult in a look that devoured her and she too raised her eyes to don rui but eyes reposeful and serene without a gleam of curiosity or even of consciousness that they were exchanging glances with other eyes so inflamed and darkened by desire the young knight abstained from entering the church from the pious fear of not giving to his divine godmother the attention which would he knew be all taken up by her who though only human was already mistress of his heart and deified there he waited eagerly at the door among the beggars 
parching the carnations with the heat of his trembling hands, and thinking how long drawn out was the rosary she was saying. And as soon as Dona Leonor began to descend the nave, he felt within his soul the sweet rustling of the thick silks she dragged over the stone slabs. The white lady passed by, and the same absent look, heedless and calm, which she cast over the beggars and the square, she let fall over him, either because she did not comprehend that youth who had suddenly turned so pale, or because she did not yet distinguish him from things and forms which were of no account to her. Don Rui moved away, sighing deeply, and once in his room, devoutly placed before the image of the Virgin the flowers which he had not offered at her altar in the church. His whole life, then, became one long complaint at finding such coldness and cruelty in that woman, unique amongst women, who had taken hold of his light and wandering heart and made it serious. With a hope which he clearly foresaw would prove deceptive, he began to pace round the lofty garden walls, or, muffled in his cloak, leaning against the corner, spent slow hours contemplating the bars of the lattice windows, black and thick like those of a prison. The walls did not part asunder, nor did a single ray of hopeful light issue from the gratings. The whole mansion was like a sepulchre, where lay an insensible creature, and behind the cold stones there was also a cold breast. To give vent to his feelings, he composed with pious care, during watchful nights over parchment, lamentable verses which failed to relieve him. Before the altar of Our Lady of the Pillar, on the same slabs where he had seen her kneeling, he rested his knees, and stayed, without words of prayer, in bitter-sweet musing, hoping that his heart would be calmed and solaced under the influence of her who calms and solaces all. But he always rose up more miserable, and with only the feeling of how cold and hard were the stones on which he had knelt. The whole world seemed to him to contain naught save severity and coldness. On other bright Sunday mornings he met Dona Leonor, and her eyes always remained heedless, and as though unmindful, or, when they crossed his, they were so innocent and free from all emotion that Don Rui would have preferred them offended and darting anger, or haughtily averted in proud disdain. Certain it was that Dona Leonor knew him now, but she also knew the Moorish flower-woman squatted before her basket beside the fountain, or the poor who louse themselves in the sun before Our Lady's porch. Nor could Don Rui any longer think that she was cruel and cold. She was only royally remote, like a star that revolves and glitters high above, unconscious that below, in a world it cannot discern, eyes it does not suspect, are contemplating it, adoring it, and entrusting it with the government of their fortune and destiny. Then Don Rui thought, She will not, I cannot. It was a dream that is ended, and may Our Lady keep us both in her favor. And being a very discreet knight, 
as soon as he recognized that she could not be moved from her indifference, he neither sought her, nor even raised his eyes any more to the gratings of her windows, nor did he even enter the church of Our Lady, when casually, from the porch, he espied her kneeling with graceful golden head, bent over her book of hours. End of section 1